тоді вони повернулись до Єрусалиму, з гори, що Оливною зветься, і що знаходиться близько Єрусалиму, на віддаль від дороги суботнього дня. А прийшовши, увійшли вони в горницю, де й перебували і Петро, та Іван, та Яків та Андрій, Пилип та Фома, Варфоломій та Матвій, Яків Алфеїв та Симон Зилот, і та Юда і Яковів. Вони всі однодушно були на невпинній молитві із жінками, із Марією, матір'ю Ісусовою, та з братами Його. Um, which is super exciting. Um, my name's Lois, if we've not met already. Thank you for joining us. Welcome if you're watching us online as well. Let's just backtrack a couple of minutes to that question that was on the screen. Um, what is your favorite film genre? Shout them out. Disney. Disney on the front row. You've, you can only like Disney if you sat on the front row. I hope you like Disney. Anybody, anyone? Rom-coms. Can I hear it for a rom-com? Yeah. <laughs> woo <-hoo. laughs> Any others? Thrillers. Thrillers. Oh, nice. Action. Did I? Christmas. Oh, I didn't even think of that, Lynn. Oh, well done. Yeah. I'd give you a gold star. Sci-fi. Is there a sci-fi over, sci over here? Any more for any more? Norwegian crime dramas. Funny you should say that. Rob, that's mine. I've written it here. <laughs> no, I love a niche one. Any more? Vikings. Oh, biopics. <laughs> and Bollywood. Bollywood. Brilliant. Thank you, Abby. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Um, I, obviously, you know me. If you've not met me by now, you know that I can't choose one favorite. I've got to have a few. Some of them have already been mentioned. Rom-coms is quite high up there. Musicals is another one. That's high up there. Daniel loves a musical as well. Did I hear a boo? Get out. Take your Norwegian crime dramas and jokes, jokes, jokes. Like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, that's a good one. That's an all right one, yeah. Anyway, my actual favorite film genre. I think this is a genre. I'm not sure. I'm going to see if you can guess it. Um, I'll show you a few films that I've watched recently um, and enjoyed. Here's the first one. So what you're going to see is you're just going to see if you can work out what the common thread is. This was a film called Air, all about the creation of the Nike Jordans. And the next one is Elvis, pretty self-explanatory. The next one was Founder. And the next one is hidden figures. Does anyone know what the common thread? Yes, biopics. Does that mean a true story? Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought, just checking. So my favorite film is one that starts with the phrase based on a true story or based on real life events. I watched a film recently that said based on a true story, 
brackets, ish. Some of them like take some liberties, don't they? I love a film that is based on a true story. What I love is with those four films, they all answered a question. And that question was, where did it all begin? With the film Air, it was about trainers. Where did these trainers begin? With Founder, it was about McDonald's. Where did McDonald's begin? With all of these films, there's this common thread. They answer the question, where did it all begin? And we are starting a brand new series today, as you saw on that video, called Roots and Shoots. And over the next couple of months, we're going to create our own real life story where we ask the question, where did it all begin? We're talking about the church. We're talking about the early church and we're asking, where did this all begin? We're going to use a book in the Bible called Acts as our storyline. We're going to use that book to create our characters and our plot as we just keep asking the question, where did it all begin? We're going to do that because what we want to do is we want to look at what the roots were that the early church planted. And we really believe that as we learn from them, as we apply them, and as we pray into them, we are going to see shoots of growth in our own church and in our own lives as well. So where did it all begin? Let me just set the scene a little bit, set the backstory of where, where our film, I guess, would begin. So the backstory is um, about a guy called Jesus. And Jesus was born, he lived, um, he hit his 30s and he hit his stride because this was like ministry era for him. He was like doing miracles like no man's business. Some people loved him. Some people didn't like him. Some people really didn't like him, and so some people killed him. But Jesus wasn't just a man. Jesus was God. And so killing Jesus didn't keep him down. Jesus rose from the dead. He was resurrected, and he lived and spent another about 40 days with his disciples and friends and followers, um, talking to them, appearing to them, doing life with them, preaching to them, teaching to them, leading them. And then all of a sudden, Jesus says, I'm going again. But this time, I'm not going down in the grave. I'm going up to heaven, where I'm going to wait and watch over you. And so Jesus ascends, floats up to heaven. Now just imagine for a moment being one of his followers. So you've decided that this Jesus person is someone that you put all your hope and trust in. You've seen him do these amazing things. And then you've seen him die a brutal death. But then you've seen him come back to life. And you've spent more time with him. And then you've seen him go again. I wonder how those people would have felt. A few years ago, we were celebrating my niece's third birthday. Um, and we gave her a helium balloon in the shape of Dory. The look of love on her eyes when she saw this giant dory balloon. Oh, I could see it now. She was like mesmerized. The balloon was bigger, bigger than her. And um, this party was in the garden and we were just, I don't know, we were playing along. And then I don't know quite what happened. And I don't know if it's my fault, but it might have been. Somehow, someone let go of the balloon and up dory went. And um, um, the look on her face, honestly, her little bottom lip started trembling, tears in her eyes 
as she watched Dory fly away. We were all like, no, come back. And that's how I think I would have reacted to Jesus going up to heaven after he's lived, died and come back to life. And then he goes again and he's ascending up again. And I'd have been like, no, Jesus, come back, please. But Dory was gone for good. But Jesus left with a promise. And that promise was, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Just you wait. And in the meantime, I'm going to send you a gift. I'm going to send you something called the Holy Spirit. He is going to help you. He is going to be with you. It's coming soon. Just keep waiting. And so I wonder as that crowd watched, those followers watched, as they watched Jesus go up to heaven and leave them again, I wonder whether, although maybe it was twinged with a bit of sadness, like me watching the bloom, like, no, don't go. I wonder actually if it was filled with expectation and excitement because Jesus doesn't ever give us empty promises. Jesus fulfills every promise. So when he says he's coming back, he's coming back. And when he says, I'm leaving you with a gift, he's going to give you a gift. And so I reckon those followers were waiting with expectation and excitement. What is this gift? And when will it come? And what do we do until then? And they decided to be proactive. They didn't just go back to their lives and be like, okay, Jesus has gone again, so we'll just go back to the way we live. No, they were proactive. They decided, do you know what we're going to do? We're going to wait. We're going to get together. We're going to spend time together. We're going to pray together. We're going to believe together. We are going to do it until this gift comes, and then we're going to do it until Jesus comes back again. And they waited, and they waited. And that, friends, was the first ever church. You see, church isn't actually a building. We often refer to it as a building, but the church is a group of people who are expectantly waiting for Jesus. That was the first ever church. And so today we're going to ask the question, who was there? Who are these people that we're talking about? Who was the early church made up of? And why is that even relevant to us today? So as Nelly read in that um, scripture from Acts chapter 1, verse 12 to 14, what that was was a portion of scripture that lists the people that were present at the start of the early church. We have got the disciples, the women, and the brothers. The disciples, the women, and the brothers. And we're just going to go through each one of those groups and like ask, why is that relevant? Why would Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, let us know that those people were there? So the first one is the disciples. Now, that kind of makes sense, right, to think, well, yeah, followers of Jesus would obviously be part of the launch team of the early church. Because I often think of the disciples as people who, like, had it all together. They knew what they were doing. They had all the answers. But actually, the disciples were a group of very confused people. And so what the disciples represent is that the church is a place for the confused now, in all fairness, right, these guys have been through a lot. Jesus was here, then he was not, then he was here, then he was not. So I would be equally confused. I would be like, what's going on here? And if we were to track back in that passage in Acts, in Acts chapter 1, we see this conversation between Jesus and the disciples where Jesus tells them, so guys, I'm going soon. 
I've not finished my work though. Like I'm coming back and there's a promise in the meantime. There's going to be something else coming. Not yet, but soon. Keep waiting. And the disciples are like, what now? Are you ready now? Is it time now? And he's like, no, no, no. I, I did say not yet. And they're like, eh? And they remind me of kids in a car journey. You know, when you put them in the car and then three seconds down the road, they're like, are we here yet? And they just don't get it. They just don't get like, no, we're not here yet, obviously. The disciples, like, they remind me of me who's like, um, um, is it time now, Lord? Is it time now? And, and then you're like, no, Jesus is like, no, not yet. But just like, keep trusting the light. I don't get it, though. Why not? The disciples remind me of myself, someone full of like, eh? I don't quite understand that. And maybe, um, maybe you relate to some confusion like the disciples had. Maybe you sometimes read your Bible, but you're like, I don't actually understand what I'm reading. Or maybe you listen to a preach, but you leave with more questions than answers. Or maybe you hear about Christian life or you hear about church and you're like, I just don't quite get it. That's me. That's probably all of us in here, actually. It certainly was the disciples too. But you know what I love about the disciples? I love that the early church was started by the disciples who were a group of people who didn't have all the answers, who didn't know everything, but were willing to trust God anyway. They were willing to commit to Jesus through the unknown, through the confusion, through the, but what? They were willing to cling on to Jesus and believe, I'm going to be a part of a community that waits to see his promise fulfilled. You see, the early church is a place for the confused as well as the convinced. So the disciples were there at the dawn of the early church. The next group of people were the women. The women. Now, why was it important that the women were mentioned? Well, in Middle Eastern culture and like first century, women were second class citizens. They had like no social standing. They had very little respect. They, um, men wouldn't talk to women in public and that sometimes would include husbands and wives. Um, they had no value. They had no input. Women were a marginalized group. Women were silenced. Women were oppressed, but not with Jesus. You see, Jesus was radical in his compassion and in his concern and in his communication with women. Jesus broke all sorts of social and cultural barriers because Jesus believed in equality. He believed in women. He believed in their value. Jesus believed that marginalization is not something that would enter his life or his vocabulary. Jesus went out of his way to invite, include, and involve women in his ministry and in his mission and in his message. You see, it's wild when you think about that, when you think about the place of women in society at the time. Wild to think that women would be allowed and invited to be part of the early church, but they were. And I believe that that was testament to the legacy of Jesus to a Jesus that would go out in the streets and speak to women, to a Jesus that would ignore people that would try and silence women and would say, no, let them have a voice. That was the legacy of Jesus that said, no, anyone is welcome. No barriers here. And you know, really sadly today, there is still churches 
and there are still cultures and there are still countries where women are still muted and marginalized. And not just women. People are marginalized because of their race, because of their immigration status, because of their ability. For so many reasons, people are marginalized. But that is not the model of a biblical church. That's not the church that we see here in Acts. That's not the early church, and it's not what church should be today. You see, throughout the Bible, what we see is God's heart is for all people. That God's heart is for the oppressed. That God's heart breaks for the oppressed. That God's eyes are on the marginalized. Proverbs chapter 31 Verse 8 says this, in the message translation it says, Speak up for the people who have no voice, for the rights of all the misfits. Speak out for justice, stand up for the poor and for the destitute. And perhaps today you feel like a misfit. Perhaps you feel like I don't belong in church. Maybe church has made you believe you don't belong here. Maybe someone has said something that makes you feel there's no place for me here, that I should be silent here. But you know what the early church says? The early church says there is a place for you here. And in this church today, you need to know there is a place for you here. There's no misfits in the kingdom of God. There is a place for you here. You see a biblical, spirit-filled, God-centered church that we see in Acts and that we long to see today is a church that welcomes in those whose society would keep out. A biblical, spirit-filled God-centered church is a church that speaks up for those whose society would silence. A biblical, spirit-filled, God-centered church is one that sets free the people that the world would put in chains. A biblical, spirit-filled, God-centered church is one that opens their doors and opens their arms to the world who would try to close their doors on. That is who the early church was, a church for the marginalized, a church that crossed barriers, a church that didn't draw lines to keep people out, but drew circles to invite people in. And friends, that's the church that we want to be. I pray that that's the church we become. The church was a place for the marginalized. And lastly, the church was founded by the brothers. Um, not just any brothers. Jesus' brothers. Now, Jesus' brothers, I believe, were called James, Judas, Joseph, and Simon. Does anybody else think they could have gone with a J instead of Simon? They could have carried that J theme through. I can think of so many more Js. Jeremiah, Jerry, Jack, John. Any more? Josh. So many. Yeah, just name your kids if you want, Jane. Oh, Jane. Oh, look, yeah, yeah. So many options, but they... uh, Clearly, won't for Simon. Jill, we're going with Jill. Joan, Joan. Oh, lovely. Yeah, we're good. You see, so many options. Anyway, besides the point, who am I to rewrite the Bible? <laughs> the brothers. Let me tell you about Jesus' brothers. What you need to know is they were not on board the Jesus bandwagon. I always assumed they were. I always assumed they're his brothers. So they're like all for him. But imagine this. Has anyone in here got an older sibling? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Several of them. Too many. I'm the youngest of five. Feel sorry for me. Imagine if your older sibling 
from the day you were born was like, I'm the real deal, you know. I am the great I am. I am the savior of the world. I am going to save you. I am going to set you free. If I was these brothers, I'd be like, all right, pipe down. And these guys even had like a front row seat to his ministry, but still they were not convinced. In fact, it says in John chapter 7, verse 5, it says this, not even Jesus's brothers believed in Jesus. Just take that in for a minute. Not even his brothers believed in him at one point. So how, not very long later in the Bible, how were his brothers part of a team of people who were expectantly praying and believing that he would come back? Do you know, we actually don't know the answer to that because there's nothing else in that time recorded. But I can only think it's one thing, the resurrection. See, from the point where it said that not even Jesus' brothers believed in him to where it said Jesus' brothers were waiting for him to come back, the resurrection happened. And I just wonder, what if the resurrection changed everything for them? Because all of a sudden, there was this miracle that they couldn't explain. They couldn't put down to anything other than, what if he is the real God? That he would die, come back to life, and come and spend time with me? What if? He is the real deal. What I love about the brothers is that they were curious. They represent a group of people who are like, I don't know if I believe, but what if? What if this Jesus guy is real? What if everything he says is about to come true? Maybe, maybe, just maybe, he is who he says he is. The early church is made up of curious people who want to know more, who want to learn more, who want to grow more. And maybe you find yourself today in a place of curiosity, of just wondering, what if? What if? What if this Jesus person is who he says he is? You know, the place of curiosity is a great place to be. Because what it means is you are willing to learn and you are willing to get to know you're willing to come closer and you're willing to ask questions and that is so welcome here in this church. We want you to know, no stupid questions. We want you to know your curiosity is welcome here. In fact, we invite it. We'd love for you to um, find a place for your curiosity and for your questions as well. If you are someone who's just like, feels like maybe they've got questions, maybe you are curious about some things, I would love to invite you to Alpha. So Alpha is a place for anyone who is exploring faith, new to faith, got questions about faith, is curious about faith, anything at all. I would love to invite you to Alpha, which is starting on the 25th of September on Monday nights. And what we do is we have a brew, we have some cake. Can't do anything without cake. Do we have cake? Yeah, we'll have cake, won't we, Sean? Say yes to the cake. Amen could say anything from this stage and he'll say yes. Should we have a Chinese takeaway as well? No, not got the budget for that. And we watch a video and we just chat. We chat about those questions and those what ifs and those how coulds and those but reallys. It is a safe place for you to explore your faith. Alpha is a great place 
to be, and we would love for you to come. If that's you and you feel like you are curious, why don't you just watch this video now? That thing you've always wanted to do. That random invite you didn't know was going to be for you. Or even just taking a breath before the first step. Maybe it's seeing how far you can go. Or honing a skill you've always known. Maybe it's trying something just for the fun of it. Or maybe it's breaking your barriers to make you feel like you've lived a bit. Maybe it's exploring your mind or wondering what life could really be about. Here's to try it and failing, to discovering for you and sharing it too. To exploring more of this one life we get. Stay curious. Try Alpha. There we go. So if you would like to join our Alpha group, then um, come and speak to Di, who will be on the Connect Point, and she would love to sign you up there. Or if you're watching online, you can book in at foundcommunity.church. Um, it's starting in a couple of weeks, and it's going to be an incredible time. So that's part one, part one of our series, Roots and Shoots, where we are asking the question, where did it all begin? And it began with a group of people who brought their flaws and their failures and their faults and their just everyday being, and they trusted in Jesus. The early church is a place for the confused, for the marginalized, and for the curious. We believe that that's the church that we want to grow to become. We want to welcome people. And the church is a place for you. And so maybe as you go out um, and carry on with your day today, my question for you is, how will you get involved? Maybe you're watching online and actually you feel, you know what, I need to become part of a church family. I need to meet some people. I need to do life with people. Maybe you've come here today and you feel like God is saying, find a home church to settle into, to put your feet under the table. Because whoever you are, the church is for you. There is a place for you here. But the church is for everyone else too. And so who will you invite? Can I encourage you over the next few weeks to just think about who could I invite to church? Who will I say, come along with me because there's a place for you here? And friends, when people come, who will we welcome? Who will we invite into this family, into this crazy place that we call church? This church isn't a building, it's a family where you belong no matter who you are and no matter where you are in your journey. Would you like to stand? We're going to sing one final song and you sang so well at the beginning. I know we're going to go out with a bang. And what we're going to do is declare that Jesus is a firm foundation that he built his church on. That Jesus is trustworthy. That we can bring our confusion and our questions and our uncertainty to Jesus we can trust him with it because he won't fail he won't fail on his promise he will never let us down he will never ever let us down so Jesus today we thank you that you have invited us to be a part of your church thank you Jesus that no matter who we are no matter where we've been no matter where we are at right now there is a place for us 
in the family of God. Jesus, we thank you and we look to you. In Jesus' name, amen.